This is the Eye on Potatoes, brought to you by the National Potato Council. The Eye is the place to tune in for conversations with growers and thought leaders on advocacy, production, and all things potatoes. Now, here's your host, Lane Nordland. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Eye on Potatoes podcast. I'm your host, Lane Nordland, looking out a little bit of snow cover here in central Montana, where I broadcast from here today. And our conversation today will center around opportunities for alumni of the Leadership Institute and also some scholarship opportunities for graduate-level students. And also, we're going to check in with Cam Quarles with the D.C. office on what is happening out in our nation's capital and those top issues impacting the U.S. potato industry. But joining us first is Mike Winkle with the National Potato Council, the COO, and also the lead staff for the P-Leaf Foundation. Mike, uh, how is your day going here as we make our way through the month of April 2021? Going great, Lane. Uh, Yeah, it's a fun time of year for us, uh, knowing growers across the country are working on getting the the 2021 crop in the ground and and uh, from the foundation side we're excited to be putting on uh, kind of working on some of our programs to hopefully continue in advancing the the industry from a leadership and education standpoint now again it just seems like so long ago over a year now when all of us were the last time most of us were able to meet in person for the uh, potato dc fly-in back in 2020 uh we had a lot of uh, great conversations with uh, with policy and decision makers out there and of course getting to see uh the leadership institute class as well that was out there but uh, we actually have a unique event coming up, Mike, in the middle of July, and that is a new Leadership Institute Alumni Summit. So for our listeners out there that have been through the Institute before, what, what is this event and what, what do you hope they uh, are, are able to take away from this virtual event? Well, Lane, I think, you know, just kind of setting the stage a little bit, um, the leadership, the Potato Industry Leadership Institute has been a program of the industry since 2002. And over that 18 years, we've had over 350 people from the industry that have participated in that program and, and kind of gotten that base level of leadership skills that uh, they were exposed to as part of that program. And, you know, as the the foundation looked at future direction and continuing to grow leaders in the industry, um, they recognized that it wasn't just growing new leaders, but it was also continuing to grow those individuals that uh, the industry had invested into over those 18 years, 19 years almost. And so um, we put together this first uh, alumni summit that this year will be uh, a virtual event instead of in person, but uh, we may look at if there's an opportunity to to change that in the future. Um, but really, it's going to be an opportunity for all of those alumni graduates of the Potato Industry Leadership Institute um, to come together and uh, do some networking, refresh some of those skills that they that they built during that time, and that they've had an opportunity to perfect on. Uh, since whenever it was they went through the program, and and gained some new techniques as well. So it's going to be three 90-minute workshops 
uh, July 13th through the 15th um, to help lead the group through um, developing, refining their leadership skills, refine, refining their approach to conflict, and boosting their team morale. We have two people who have worked over the years uh, with different classes, being Lori Richards, as well as Eric Herdman, that are going to, to work with the group on uh, those programs. Well, again, it's so important whether you went through the program just a few years ago or at its inception uh, nearly 20 years ago to really have these refreshers because uh, communication methods have changed. Who would have thought we would be having Zoom meetings over the past year uh, back in the early 2000s when this started or how conflict management has changed on on operations in, in labor in so many different ways. I, I look at back when I was a state FFA officer quite some time ago now, uh, everything we learned has changed in, in how we as leaders and communicators would share our message. So I, I think that's the, the most important thing for folks to be thinking about, to, to take the, the time to uh, participate in these workshops and really just get a quick refresher because sometimes uh, we might think, well, I've already went through that course, but Mike, we can never quit learning. I think that's one of the most important things for alumni to think about is we can never uh, quit learning and improving ourselves, especially as advocates for the potato industry. Absolutely. You know, and, and certainly when you, you look at technology, uh, when you look at uh, learning styles and generations and, and all of those things, um, you know, whether, whether you, you've learned it in the past or not, that refresher um, is always an important thing. And so um, all of those that uh, went through the program should have uh, gotten some communication from us uh, end of last week. Um, with details on how to go about registering for, for the summit. Um, if you didn't get that and you participated in the program, though, you can, can always go to the foundation's website, pleaf.org, and uh, click on the Alumni Summit up at the top and, and get to some details on that program. Uh, registration information is th there as well. Um, we will have registration open through June 18th for for those alumni and uh, registration cost is $100 for people. Uh, you know, I think uh, just talking about styles of, of learning and how that's changed too late, you know, when we, we talk about doing things over Zoom, um, you know, the, the great thing with Lori and, and Eric is they've been doing leadership development for years and and certainly with uh, the pandemic, their their style of having to do that has had to change as well. And so uh, they've, they've really become experts over the past year of, of doing leadership development, leadership training in a virtual world and, and are going to be able to expose the group to all of those techniques as well as of better communicating uh, in this virtual world that we live in. No, definitely. And again, uh, for more information on registration, just make sure and visit the Potato Leaf website or email info at pleaf.org. But also the 
Potato Leaf Foundation is all about making sure that there is success and uh, in the academic setting as well, Mike. And this year, the the foundation will award once again a $10,000 scholarship to a graduate student, whether that be a master's degree or, or a higher degree option as well. Um, how can uh, these uh, uh, folks that are uh, pursuing these higher degrees uh, participate? And what are some of the quali- qualifications uh, for that scholarship as well? Because $10,000 that goes a long way for uh, a, a young man or woman seeking these degree options. Sure, Lane. So again, uh, you know, a little a little background on uh, the scholarship program. Um, not something new to the industry. Um, it it actually came over to the foundation last year from National Potato Council, uh, and has been a, another one of those industry programs that started in 1998. Um, and so, again, recognizing the importance of research um, on our industry, whether it's in breeding and genetics, whether it's in the agronomy area, um, certainly something that's important. Um, and so the, with the creation of the foundation, that came over to the foundation. Um, again, information on the scholarship and the application is available at, at pleaf.org. Um, but some of the, the criteria that are in there um, is, you know, really it's we're looking for those people who hopefully will be able to to benefit the, the U.S. potato industry um, in their research, um, not only what they're currently working on, but in the direction that they hope to go. Um, some of the other criteria for scoring them, um, it's going to include academic achievement, uh, leadership engagement, Um, what their potato-related area graduate study is, uh, their goals, how they see themselves benefiting the potato industry, um, and obviously extracurricular and and grades will be a part of that. Um, The application is available on the pleaf.org website, and uh, those applications will also be due in uh, June, uh, June 18th of 2021. Well, and again, Mike, a great opportunity for a student that is seeking a, a higher degree, especially when it comes to helping advance the U.S. potato industry and also for that alumni summit, uh, the application process. All of that can be found at pleaf.org, P-L-E-A-F dot org. Mike, anything else that you would just like to share with us here today, how, how things are shaping up for the National Potato Council, or just uh, any tidbit you'd like to share with our audience here today? Well, Lane, I, th- I know you're going to be visiting with Cam a little bit on, on status of, from a policy standpoint. Um, so from an NPC standpoint, I'll let him handle that. But I, I think from the Potato Leadership Education and Advancement Foundation, um, I couldn't close out my comments without thanking all of those sponsors or donors to the foundation, whether it's part of the Founder Society or from an annual contribution standpoint. And if people are interested in, in helping make a difference for the industry from that leadership perspective, um, we're, we're always looking for additional contributions uh, to the foundation. Um, and Founder Society um, pledges, we will continue to uh, make, make that program available for that long-term recognition through the end of, uh, through December 31st of 2021. 
Uh, people can reach out to us at info at pleaf.org if they're interested in learning more about that or visit the website. Again, as you mentioned, the website is pleaf.org. And, and Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, bring us up to speed on uh, two very important deadlines. That, of course, being the Alumni Summit and, of course, the deadline for the upcoming graduate degree scholarship. Uh, Mike Winkle with the National Potato Council and the lead there at the Potato Leaf Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Lane. Have a great day. Thank you. And friends, stay with us after this quick break. We'll be back with Cam Corals with an update on what's going on in the Beltway and across the world that impacts the U.S. potato industry. We'll be right back. Returning back to our Eye on Potatoes podcast, the CEO of the National Potato Council, Cam Corals, joins us here today. We were just discussing all the great work that the Potato Leaf Foundation does, and now we'll turn to the policy aspect of the advocacy that the National Potato Council provides the U.S. potato industry. Cam, uh, uh, I mentioned in our intro, I have snow on the ground. I actually had a blizzard that I had to uh, get ahead of um, here in Montana, so I had to drive to my hometown and I'm actually broadcasting from my parents' kitchen table. And uh, uh, the blizzard is now done, but uh, how are things shaping up in the Beltway today? Well, Lane, they're, you know, they're good. Um, I think we're getting a little bit farther towards spring. Uh, it's warming up a little bit, and uh, the good news for us is a lot of the, the fencing has come down around the Capitol, so that's making f- people feel a little bit more like normal and I'm seeing, you know, traffic is starting to pick up a bit on the roads and hopefully we're we're on the on the gradual progression back to, to some semblance of normal here. Now, did the cherry blossom, did that already occur or, or is that going to be coming up, Cam? Now, the, the cherry blossoms happened. Um, they were trying to keep the crowds down this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't want a lot of people packing together down at the Tidal Basin. But, yeah, it was beautiful. The cherry blossoms were out. It was They were actually out slightly earlier than normal. So um, it, uh, it always makes for quite a scene here. Usually the way that it works is you get this beautiful bloom of cherry blossoms, and then you get a ripping cold snap that knocks them all to the ground <laughs> like uh, – a week later so um fortunately they hung around a little bit this year well that's good and like we mentioned here yeah we had a blizzard but uh across much of the west where where so many potato producers are located uh we're we're going to take any precipitation that we can get uh, for this upcoming growing season for the nation's uh, producers that's for sure and uh of course all the issues going on in washington dc and across the world uh, you continue to monitor and uh uh, a topic we continue to discuss, of course, is the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico. Cam, what 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 are we seeing? Any news on the Supreme Court decisions? I- I- anything on the uh, USMCA uh, negotiating front? Uh, can you just share what what is the state of the industry in terms of trade with Mexico for U.S. potatoes? Yeah, Lane, the, the, I, I, I can't say enough about what um, the U.S. government is doing on behalf of the potato industry. Um, USDA, USTR, um, they are all uh, really focused on trying to get a good result for us here. The Supreme Court process still remains stagnated, um, as you might have seen over the past week. 
our competitors, the domestic potato industry down in Mexico, they came out very strongly and had a press conference the day that the Supreme Court was supposed to rule on these cases that are really going to set the stage for whether or not we can we can move into to Mexico or or we remain blocked. Um, the domestic potato industry had a press conference and they they asked um, the the Mexican president to stop the legal process, essentially stop defending the cases. And remember, there's massive complications if the Mexican government doesn't defend these cases, because if they walk away from them, what they're doing is walking away from their ability to import not just potatoes, but any agricultural product. Only about three hours after that press conference by the domestic potato producers in Mexico demanding that action, the Supreme Court again pulled our cases off of the docket, and they didn't consider them that day. I I have been around a fair amount of time, Lane, and I just don't believe that uh, those two events happening so closely together weren't connected. Um, it's just, it's too obvious. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful that all of the great work that USDA and USTR has been doing, along with the folks down at the embassy in Mexico City, can, can work with the Mexican government to get this thing back on the rails. Um, but the signals that we've been getting obviously haven't been great ones. So uh, we're continuing to push. Uh, I, I, I think that if this goes on, much longer. Um, We're going to need to take an entirely different route. You mentioned the USMCA. Clearly, the USMCA has some provisions embedded within it where we can enforce our rights in a, in an entirely different manner. And, you know, if, if this, if this thing remains stuck in the mud, I I think we've got to seriously move forward with that. Um, it's probably not too far offline. Well, Cam, it, it truly is troubling, and, and uh, but it, it really reaffirms uh, the freedoms and uh, the separation of powers that we have here in the United States between Congress, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. And just to, to see, like you said, it, it's uh, hard to say that that was a coincidence uh, seeing the announcements from the potato cartels and the Mexican uh, high court. And, but as you mentioned, we have these trade agreements, and uh, uh, we've talked at length about the, the new USTR, uh, of course, that being Catherine Tai. Um, and that obviously is the front we are going to take. Uh, has uh, USTR made any further statements uh, on the current situation between the U.S. and Mexico on this ag issue? Um, they Not any public statements, Lane, but um, they bo- both USTR and USDA have been working very, um, very closely behind the scenes. Um, I, I think both agencies recognize how... Um, uh, getting a resolution here, you know, really, I mean, USMCA, when you take a step back, it, it was an effort to reaffirm, reaffirm the trading relationship, not, not just with Canada, but obviously with Mexico. I mean, these, the, this, this trading block in North America is really important and you got to get it right. And it, as you were saying, having institutions, the rule of law that all three countries can rely on, and they, they can trust that the rules aren't going to change between the three countries. Obviously, you've got specific issues that become incredibly complicated, but the ideal of the agreement is that trade is going to flow, and it's going to 
it's going to flow in an ever increasingly responsible way between the three countries. If the potato issue, after all of these years and everything that has been settled uh, between uh, uh, the U.S. and Mexico, you, you know, if you go back years and years ago, Mexico was alleging a bunch of pest and disease issues from the U.S. that you know they they just flat out were fantasies. They they didn't they didn't occur here in the U.S. We actually had to go to a, effectively an international court lane, and that court said, Mexico, sorry, these allegations are just flat out false. And it was at that time that Mexico, the government, finally had to relent and say, all right, that was our last shot at keeping the U.S. out. We've got to open our market. Of course, immediately following that, then all these lawsuits happen. Um, but, you know, if 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 we can't put um, a, uh, a a final resolution on this issue. I think it just calls into question in the ag space whether or not the USMCA is worth the paper that it's written on. And you know, I, there's a there's a lot of folks just beyond the potato industry who who recognize you know the the issues over the constitutionality of whether or not Mexico can decide on what what products cross its borders. I mean, those are big deals, and those. If that goes the wrong way, it just flies in the face of an agreement that all three countries locked arms on and thought was a really great thing. Yep, exactly. But Cam, on a more positive note, as we look to our uh, trading partners overseas, we actually did receive some good news in terms of our uh, trading partners in Japan and our U.S. frozen potato products. Uh, Could you maybe uh, share uh, a little bit of good news for our audience out there today that we are happy to see with our largest uh, overseas potato market, Japan? We did. That was it. Was really exciting. The um, uh, very public announcement went out uh, at the beginning of April. Uh, as as you recall, Lane, the, you know the Trans Pacific Partnership Agreement, which was this big multi-country uh, trade agreement, um, that contained within it some really substantial tariff reductions that are of huge benefit to to the U.S. industry, um, and they specifically involve potato products. The, so it was it was kind of heartbreaking to us when the U.S. walked away from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Of course, the there was a subsequent effort to try to restore those tariff benefits in valuable markets. The biggest, uh, our our biggest export market is Japan, and so when the Japan trade agreement uh, was finalized, right in the middle of the Potato Expo, when we were in Las Vegas uh, a year and a half ago, uh, those tariff benefits were restored. And um, that, that, that agreement has been finalized as of April 1st, the 8.5% tariff on U.S. potato products going into Japan has dropped to zero. And that's, that is a huge benefit. Um, we're really excited. We really appreciate the work that all of the, all of the foreign agricultural service folks in Japan did to make that a reality. Obviously, the the, the uh, ag folks at USTR had uh, a lot of impact on that, and so we're we're very happy. It's great when you get some some good news, and so the bottom line is U.S. potato products are increasingly more competitive in the in our biggest export market, the country of Japan. 
and over $342 million uh, worth of potatoes and potato products uh, from the U.S. sent to Japan, according to USDA statistics. And, and again, it's it's great to have um, that trading partnership. And of course, it's the largest overseas market for U.S. potatoes. And we can only hope that in the, the coming weeks and months, we have good news to share uh, on our Mexican trading relationship as well. Um, but, but Cam, I- any other news you would just like to share with us or maybe some uh, items that are, are on the, the dashboard for the Potato Council as, uh, as Congress uh, gets back to work after the holiday uh, break? Yeah, I, you know, I think the the uh, several big things that we're looking at, Lane. Obviously, you've got the annual um, uh, effort to fund the government, the appro- what we call the appropriations process, and we've got a number of potato specific provisions that ride in those big spending bills every year. So we're working hard to make sure that those are either enhanced or at a minimum maintained as we look forward. You've also got a lot of discussion over infrastructure. Um, infrastructure, you know, clearly for a, uh, for an industry that, um, exports 20% of its, its product, we've got to have competitive seaports. Uh, we've got to have competitive roads and rails. We've got to efficiently be able to deliver our product to international markets and also domestically. So infrastructure investment is incredibly important. The big looming question is how you pay for it. Uh, we we obviously don't want uh, a, a, an explosion in taxes that may uh, limit the ability of farmers and the businesses that support those farmers to make the necessary investments to keep our industry moving forward. So the the um, I, I think there's a lot of discussion to be had about how they're actually going to pay for this big infrastructure bill. Um, and then uh, uh, in the immediate future, uh, on the list, uh, clearly you're looking at this um, th- this ag labor reform bill. Is there an ability for that to get moving? Um, it, it's uh, uh, There's a lot of discussion over immigration reform. Clearly, ag labor reform is probably the, the, the one where you have the most bipartisan support. You had a big bipartisan vote in the House that occurred just uh, a couple of months ago. We want to keep that momentum moving. Um, so we're spending a lot of hours trying to trying to see if we can um, we can latch ourselves onto a bigger train that mar- may start to roll. Well, it is busy, but uh, I I know uh, all the industry partners and members of the National Potato Council are are, are so proud that uh, Cam that you and your team are are on that train as well, helping uh, lead the direction and. Uh, and being a voice for the industry uh, out in Washington, D.C., on the issues that impact us here in the United States and also on those international matters as well. Again, uh, for our friends that are interested in learning more about the National Potato Council, make sure and visit them online and follow them on all of their social media platforms. Uh, Cam, any any last uh, words you'd like to share with us here today? No, I just I hope you get out of the snowdrifts, Lane. You you need some springtime up there in Montana, so it's good to good to talk to you, and we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks. All right, hey Cam, take care, and for our friends joining us here today, we appreciate your support. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the National Potato Council's Eye on Potatoes podcast with host Lane Northland. For more information, visit nationalpotatocouncil.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.